afternoon. You are listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting on Spotify and iTunes. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on The Scoop. The, the theme is don't worry, be happy. Don't worry about all these problems that we've raised and that you're basically ignoring. Don't worry, be happy and vote for it. But they didn't. They weren't happy. Four of the six councillors in the City of Kingston's Planning Committee voted against the Patriots Davis Tannery project. They also voted against a minister's zoning order, which would have meant amendments to the city's official plan and zoning bylaws to allow development on this land. Ann Bell, Director of Conservation and Education with Nature Ontario, wrote an eight-page letter opposing this MZO. Now, the proposal for Patriots Davis Tannery project still needs to go through council. Originally, this was set for Tuesday, August 9th, but now it will wait until their September 6th meeting. No Clear Cuts Kingston held a rally outside City Hall prior to the Planning Committee's meeting on Thursday, and I caught up with one of the founders, Kathleen O'Hara. Because the Planning Committee basically has, um, has, has basically voted against the development proposal at this point, we, we can safely say that? So a lot of us spoke, um, but we were we were pretty horrified because the city is really on side with this. So all their experts came in and said, no, it's fine. Don't worry about the turtles. Don't worry about potential flooding. Don't worry about the fact that we don't know what he's going to do in terms of remediation. <clears throat> in fact, after I'd listened to it for a while, I changed my speech and put this sounds like the, the theme is don't worry, be happy. Don't worry about all these problems that we've raised and that you're basically ignoring. Don't worry, be happy and vote for it. Um, but they didn't, they, they weren't, they weren't happy, the councillors. Summed up citizens' concerns beautifully. They listened to our concerns and they voted accordingly. So that's great. Okay. so. Now, it's still going to go before council, but not until September at this Sixth. point, September yeah. 6th, Tuesday, uh, September 6th. And that's basically when it'll be before council. Now, will it need to be a unanimous vote in order for it to um, be struck down? Do we, do we know that process? No, no, it just has to be a majority. So seven yeah. out of the 12 councillors plus the mayor. So we know the mayor is all for it. So uh, basically, we need... Um, uh, seven councillors because we we don't have the mayor's support. So we need seven out of the 12 councillors, which will still be a, a majority in the 13. And, Does and that make sense? Totally. <laughs> and, and I know you had asked in the petition and all that for a redesign. Is that still what is being sought for? Well, Patry, even the councillors last night were saying Patry's being totally inflexible. He wants to build all four blocks of his apartments. Uh, one of them being the last one being on the wetland. That's why he wanted the, the minister's zoning order or this, he and the city wanted the zoning order. Um, we have now shown that the riverfront property is the least contaminated and uh, most likely could be phytoremediated, naturally remediated. You don't have to cut down the 
the 220 year old grandmother oak and you don't have to cut down the beautiful willows and everything. So we think that if he builds it all, he should build over near Rideau Street. But based on his inflexibility, if he can't build on the whole 37 acres, he's, he's uncompromising and he's used to getting his way. So I think yesterday's vote was pretty surprising for, um, I, I don't want to use an adjective, but Jay Patry, because he's used to getting his way with the city and he didn't last night. Anyway, so to answer your question, he wants to build riverfront condos. Mm -hmm. So he won't want to give those up and he'll get a lot of money for those, I'm sure. And he won't want to give those up either. So our suggestion that he build on Rideau, uh, which would still mean cutting down trees, but not, it wouldn't mean destroying the, the, the riverfront, the shoreline um, and the oak. So, uh, but I doubt, as they were saying last night, he's inflexible. So I, I'm sure he wouldn't pull back and say, okay, I'll build a couple of high rises along Rideau because I'm so concerned about the housing crisis. That's not Patry. Um, so I don't know what he'll do. I mean, people near the lower union pier stopped him from building 20 stories on the lower union pier. Remember he closed the Marine Museum where he forced it out and then he was going to build 20 stories and the neighborhood rose up and he finally sold to Homestead. So sometimes he knows when he needs to get out and get and uh, makes whatever money he can. And let's hope he realizes that he can't have his way this time. I spoke with the um, environmental specialist and she kind of reframed this whole thing as a, a cleanup going on about how those lands at, at the tannery are contaminated and, and we're actually cleaning it up. Any response to that? Well, we have been talking to a group at the University of Montreal called PhytoAction. They're, they're um, scientists and they've received an award for their work from the David Suzuki Foundation. So they're credible and they're at the university. They've looked at the map of contaminants um, and said the northwest corner where the tannery and the smelter were are the worst, but the rest is pretty good. It's contaminated, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's not so bad as Patry's gang says. And it can be, as I said earlier, phytoremediated according to their, their past work. Um, so we say, instead of cutting down 2000 trees, this is what Patry's environmental specialist thinks is a good idea, cutting down 2000 trees, digging up and shipping out, and these, these are their numbers, 20,000 truckloads of earth. Now, where are those truckloads going to go? That just taking the problem elsewhere. We say, leave the trees, they're sucking up toxins into their branches. You, you, you do samples and you watch what, what trees possibly have sucked up too many toxins and you take them down, but you don't take down every tree. You let the trees do their work. The willows and the poplars are all very good at sucking up toxins. And you plant other um, 
toxin absorbing vegetation and you create, we'd like to see a Fido Park, which is either nationally and internationally known because this is a fairly well-known area. And this is, it's right in the city and Kingston could be put on the map by saying, no, let's not do the old fashioned way of cutting down and digging out. And, and then they want to pave over it. That is not green, no matter what an environmental specialist says. So we're saying, leave it green, leave the muskrats, leave the beavers, leave the deer, um, let the trees and nature continue to do its job. I mean, one person said last night, those animals would not be surviving as well as they are if, if they were eating toxins. If the toxins were that bad, they'd all be poisoned. They're not, they're thriving. All sorts of wildlife. Patry's people said that we had a silent spring um, in, the, in the wetland. Well, people have heard lots of birds and heard and seen and heard uh, bullfrogs and leopard frogs and it's not silent, it's vibrant. So uh, I disagree with the so-called environmental specialist. Look at the environment and, and see what, go by and see how thriving it is. River and Rito Street. That's my conversation with one of the founders of No Clear Cuts Kingston, Kathleen O'Hara. Kingston City Council will vote on Patriot's Davis Tannery proposal at their September 6th meeting. Now, Council will meet tomorrow evening to explore longer-term options for the Sleeping Cabin Pilot Program to run year-round for up to three years. Staff have identified five options, the city-owned 367 Gore Road, as well as the city-owned Division at Elliott Avenue, the Harold Harvey Center, Rideau Marina, and Rodden Park. The recommendation is for Council to direct city staff to begin a community engagement process for a sleeping cabin program at Rideau Marina and Rodden Park, as well as the possibility of purchasing a modular building to deliver services. At the current temporary Centre 70 in Portsmouth Olympic Harbour locations, a total of 15 cabins can be accommodated. Also on tap for tomorrow's meeting, a total of 16 grants recommendations from the Community Investment Fund with $220,000 to be funded by the City of Kingston. This is a partnership between the City and United Way of Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington. Also to look at approving an award of contract for the Conversion Therapy Survivors Program. Finally, a recommendation from City of Kingston Commissioner of Transit and Public Works, Brad Joyce, that Kingston Transit's high school transit be an ongoing and permanent program with both the Limestone District School Board and Algonquin Lakeshore Catholic District School Board contributing a combined $60,000 annually. MP Mark Gerritsen and Mayor Brian Patterson were at the Kingston East Community Center on Thursday to make a major funding announcement. The Kingston East Community Center will receive over $460,000 in federal funding for a solar energy system project. The solar energy system will have 256 panels on the roof, and in the parking lot, the center aisle will have car parts solar with 204 panels installed. To learn more, here's my conversation with Jeff Rimple, constructions manager with the City of Kingston. So, you know, we've heard some figures in terms of, but what is it really going to mean for the center in terms of um, how much, in terms of how this power is going to change this center specifically? All told, the sum total of this building, when we add the solar, this building will be 96% more efficient than a 
building of its nature that's, co that's just standard, typical community center. 96% more efficient. I think I said in my notes 92. We're getting better. It's getting better. Panels are getting more efficient every day. So we're 96% more efficient than a typical building of this nature. That remaining percentage is equivalent to about 2.8 tons of GHG just through the consumption of that little bit of electricity that we need. And that's, that's less GHG than a typical family home across the street. So it's, it's phenomenal. And sort of another thing to that effect is that small amount of electricity that we need that equates to that 2.8 tons a year of GHG emissions, that can be resolved if we find a different source for that electricity. So our energy and asset management division at the city is trying to source green sources for that electricity so we can make this 100% net zero. Yeah. And uh, what's the timeline on, on the installation? Do, is there a timeline? Yeah, it's, it's underway so right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll be, be starting to call carports in a matter of weeks and we expect to be energized this fall. In terms of challenges with solar, you know, like you might get, you know, a day where you're not getting as much sun as others. Like, is that sort of all taken into consideration with this? It absolutely is. It's, it's mapped out over an entire calendar year. And all the different solar companies, they have different models for that. And they model it over the last five years, ten years. What's the data? Where are we going? And in general, uh, in North America, we're starting to see more sun. Like, we're heading to a future where we're going to have... Uh, fewer heating days and many more cooling days. So I hope that equates to more sun. Right. But yeah, it is, it is a very unique balancing act you've got to do with your systems. And the panels are getting better every day. They're getting cheaper every day. They're getting easier to install every day. So that's just a great benefit to this project. So I, I know I'm going to be able to say we're net zero. That was Jeff Rempel, Constructions Manager with the City of Kingston, talking about the Kingston East Community Centre solar project. You're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, cfrc.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. Now, if you're like me, you've really been missing live theatre these last couple years. Well, now's the prime time to satisfy uh, those live performance cravings as the Kick and Push Theatre Festival is currently running. CFRC arts reporter Christina Lowry had the chance to speak with associate producer of the festival, James Hyatt. The 2022 Kick and Push Festival featuring the TK Fringe Festival just kicked off last week on August 3rd. This is their eighth year running the festival and it will be running all the way until August 21st. I sat down with the associate producer of the 2022 Kick and Push Festival, James Hyatt, to give some context for folks who are unfamiliar with Kick and Push, get some details about this year's lineup and venues, and discuss the challenges that came along with continuing the festival throughout the pandemic. Without further delay, here's James Hyatt on Kick and Push. To start off, for folks who don't know Kick and Push, how would you describe it? Um, so the Kick and Push Festival is a festival of innovative theater. Uh, it's us trying to bring professional, interesting theater from across the country to Kingston. I'm trying to make Kingston a, a, a hub for that sort of thing, for theater that, you know, people come from all around to see, you know, the the cool thing that's happening in a traditional theater space and all around the city and in non-traditional spaces. Yeah, totally. And what year is this? Is this the eighth year? It's the eighth year. We started in 2015. Cool, cool. And then also, have you been online the last two years? We haven't actually. Oh, nice. Well, we have in part, but we were the only theater festival in Kingston that uh, continued 
going throughout the whole pandemic. We had some shows outside last year and some shows online uh, as well as the year before. So we've been we've been keeping going, uh, abiding by the health regulations uh, and ro rolling with the punches. Have you been having people mask for shows now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. And then just so people get some of your background, what is your role in the show? Yeah, so I'm James. I'm the the associate producer of the festival. So I'm uh, I'm running around the city all day, sort of making shows happen and uh, keeping the artists happy and and healthy. And uh, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, awesome. So performances kicked off August third. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So how's it been so far? It's been great. I mean, yeah. So we started August third, and we had new societies, uh, which I know you went to see yeah. um, or play or it's weird to talk about because it's like a cool board game thing but yeah um but they're gone now they, they, they closed in on saturday they're off to, to summer works on a little ontario tour they're from british columbia um it's going really well the, the fringe is in full swing the fringe festival is part of the kick and push festival uh, mm -hmm. and it's sort of a, a a series of of 11 plays happening over 11 days in the baby grand theater and in this venue and and that's that's great a lot of you know Kind of people going in and out of the grand and robin hood our park show is up and running we just had our second show at lake ontario park we're going to head up to rideau heights to shannon park this week um and we've got an artist in residence uh we've got an artist well literally in residence in queen's residence mm -hmm. <laughs> um who's uh who's working on a a puppet play uh in the Tet Center, in a in a in an art gallery in the Tet Center, um, a young Anishinaabe artist. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and there's only going to be more. There was a lot there, but for Fringe Fest specifically, since you yeah. mentioned that, what would you say makes that a distinct sort of part of Kick and Push? Mm, yeah. So the Fringe Festival. Uh, so so that uh, started seven years ago, um, and the Fringe Festival. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like the sort of fringe festivals that you get around the world in, in Toronto and in Edinburgh, um, it's uncurated. So mm -hmm. it's just anyone that wants to do a show comes and, and, and puts it up and it's great because, you know, you get friends out and you get like my high school drama teacher is doing a show <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's all that. And it's it's really just like we're going to make this work uh, with with whatever we have. And, and it's a really like, you know, I don't know, like pulling it up by your bootstraps and like mm -hmm. getting it done with, you know, uh, uh, floss and bubblegum, like making things happen. And it's, it's, it's a great energy and, and, and it's a lot of fun shows, a lot of variety of shows as well. There's like one person shows and then there's a murder mystery that I'm going to go see tonight. Yeah. Well, you were just saying how much variety there is. Cause um, when I went to new societies on the weekend, I did not know what to expect at all. I didn't realize it was so interactive. So there's a mix of live performances. Did you want to speak a bit to that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so as you said, New Societies um, is, a, is a board game with sort of theatrical elements. Um, the Fringe is 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 largely your your more traditional theater in in those spaces. Robin Hood, as I said, is is in parks around the city. We've then got um, opening this week, uh, starting on Friday, we're going to have a walking tour show from Ottawa. This uh, this Franco Ontarian company, uh, their show is called Cadence or, or Cadences. Um, and that's going to be at the, the Pump House Museum, and it's sort of in partnership with them. Um, but it's a, it's a walking tour, so you you download it on your phone and you walk around, and the the experience sort of guides you around with with music um, and stuff. Uh, 
and then we're gonna have a, a like puppet show at the um uh, in the following week um where is that i think that's also at the tet uh yeah return of the megafauna so that's happening the week after this one um so like all sorts of styles and 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 you know genres of theater whether it's live and interactive or you know you download it on your phone and it's a solo experience um we've got something for everyone you were just saying there's artists from ottawa from montreal there's people from all over so what was the process of um getting all these folks together mm -hmm. yeah so so we put out a call uh a few months ago um again looking for you know innovative art uh innovative theater um people that are that are have got something made or who are sort of in the process of making something that want space and you know uh, an exciting place to 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 do it in uh and that's how we've gotten uh some of the people from from a bit further abroad um the robin hood people actually they were here last year uh, and they developed their show here last year and so we brought them back mm -hmm. uh and so that's 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 another thing we're trying to do is sort of build a, a network of of artists um that can keep coming back and and you know brightening up the city and 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 that sort of thing uh yeah yeah and then you also mentioned robin Hood was outside and then new societies was at the grand so you have a variety of venues do you want to talk yeah. a bit about organizing all that oh man i mean when i when i'm talking about uh, us wanting to to build a network and and sort of situate kingston as a as a spot to do theater it really like is all about connecting with people in the community and our partners all around the city are a huge part of that. I mean, the Grand is is providing us you know, space and, and time and, and, and so on. Uh, the Tet Center is obviously hosting a residency. Um, the Pompas Museum, like it's really just like finding all the all the people possible uh, who are interested in uh, promoting the arts in Kingston and all of us getting together and saying, well, we should work together and make this happen because mm -hmm. Like, why not? Yeah, totally. Very collaborative. Love that. Mm. Do you find there's a lot of crossover with actors doing certain shows or is everyone sort of zeroing in on their one project? Well, what's really nice is uh, with with the fringe kind of like um, buzzing around and, and, and new societies uh, last week, we had a lot of uh, uh, artists from the fringe come to new societies, people from new societies go to the fringe, the Robin Hood people I know have been trying to see a whole bunch of shows. Um, tonight, actually, our, our artist in residence, um, Jesse, is uh, is having some of the artists from the Fringe uh, read their their play just in a workshop to help develop it. So we're building those kinds of artist to artist connections where they're mm -hmm. collaborating and seeing each other's work and 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 that sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. You've mentioned a lot of new things happening this year, but is there anything new this year that you've been particularly excited about? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about um, Cadences, this this walking tour. Mm -hmm. uh, it's from Ottawa. It's it's this Franco Ontarian company. Um, I I I I I grew up um, doing French immersion here in Kingston, and mm -hmm. I'm kind of always on the lookout for francophones, and so I'm very excited to be bringing some some French language uh, art to the city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know at New Societies they mentioned that in previous years. For the last two years it's been online mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. think so if shows like that did you find there were any certain challenges that they had to overcome while they were online totally well new societies um yeah they they i think 
yes, they were in the 2020 festival and that was the online version. Um, and really it, their show is so much about creating an atmosphere and mm -hmm. uh, a connection at the gaming table that, you know, is tough to do through a screen. Not to say it can't be done. There are some shows that that really kind of thrive uh, happening virtually, but um, it's it's just a completely different experience when you get into the theater and you sit on the stage and there's somebody across a table from you. Uh, so uh, I think that was the that was the that was the main challenge that they overcame. Yeah. Do you find a lot of the actors and organizers are sort of commenting on how different it is to be back live? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a lot of the probably then confined to online spaces for a little while, right? Yeah, and I mean, as I was saying, you know, the past two years, we've we've been uh, trying to make stuff work. Um, you know, we had uh, 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 shows online and, and The Fringe went online. Um, I actually had a show in The Fringe last year and it was a virtual audio drama because it was like, well, mm -hmm. we're not doing a play in person. Let's make an audio drama, which, you know, is meant to be experienced virtually. and. You don't need to do it on Zoom and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, people are adapting in certain ways, but adapting is fundamentally doing something different than what you're used to. So now people are going back to doing what they're used to. And there's just a feeling of like, oh, yeah, there's a reason we really like mm -hmm. to do this. How can people keep up with what's going on at Fringe Fest and Kick and Push? Totally. Well, they can follow us on Instagram at the Kick and Push with the the at the Kick and Push. Mm -hmm. um, the whole uh, schedule is thekickandpush.com. That's where you can find it. Uh, the fringe schedule is uh, is is also there. You, you sort of have to click around our calendar because it it is linked in a different website. Um, and then tickets are all over the, the Kingston Grand website, kingstongrand.ca. Okay, fantastic. And James, thank you so much for joining us here to kick off the kick and push slash CFRC collaborations. Hopefully we'll be hearing from some more actors and organizers in the next few weeks. But yeah, that was all the questions I had for you today. So thank you very much. Totally. Thanks so much, Chris. That was James Hyatt, the associate producer at Kick and Push Theater Festival featuring Fringe Fest talking about this year's festival. As James said, you can keep up with Kick and Push at The Kick and Push on social media and head to their website, thekickandpush.com. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to this week's Arts News Update on CFRC 101.9 FM. Thanks very much as always, Chris. Be sure to catch her show, The Kingston Curator, every Thursday afternoon at 5 o'clock right here on CFRC. Quick check of the weather for this week. Well, things will be cooling off. Cloudy tomorrow, the high just 23. Wednesday, sun and clouds, the high 26. Thursday, sunny 27. And Friday sunny and a comfortable high of 24. Thank you for listening to The Scoop this week on CFRC 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. You can find previous episodes of The Scoop by going to cfrc.ca.